Welcome to the Word of Life, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Word of Life. Here's Pastor Mark Abrams with a preview of today's teaching. And here it says that as the weaker vessel, and notice, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. We are, it really means we are joint heirs with Christ. So the woman that we are married to is not less than us. Not spiritually, not emotionally, not intellectually. In fact, oftentimes they could be even more sharpened than we are in so many different areas of our life. That's why we need them. It's not a secret that each person is unique, but the things that make us different don't make us any more or less valuable. When it comes to husbands and wives, the differences can be glaringly obvious, but that's exactly how God intended it. Pastor Mark shares with us today that these differences are a tool that God uses to transform us into His likeness. If you are prone to become irritated by your spouse, remember that God knew that you needed them in your life and show your gratitude instead of frustration. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 with today's edition of The Word of Life. Women are remarkable. Why, you know, women, you get married to a woman, you, you start learning how remarkable they are and how God wired them, how he wired them. Stuff we think is, we get mad because it's too hard for us to do and they can do it like that and they looking at us like, what are you mad about? This ain't nothing. And we get mad, like, what you doing all that? What you doing all that for? That's too much. And they're like, not for me, it's not. You can't understand that because they are always changing and they're wired different. They don't think the way we think because they have a different makeup. They're not men, they're women. That's what they call it, women. And God said, I will make them a helpmate comparable to you. Whatever we don't have, they do have. That's the point. Whatever you don't have, I guarantee if you marry, your wife has it. You don't have it, she has it. And she sees it differently, so differently. So if I say Lancaster, uh, Charlene's a Lancaster. If I say, you know, Caribbean, she'll say Caribbean. Whatever, it's going to always be a little bit different. And it's good. It's good. He says, dwell. He says, look, you, you don't understand them, but as you dwell with them, you understand that you don't understand them, but it's all right. It's all good. Because they're different. We get frustrated because we can't figure it out. And he says, dwell with them with understanding, right? Giving honor to the wife. Our wives should be honored by us, not beaten down by us. Some guys don't even want their wife's opinion. I don't want your opinion. No, don't tell me nothing. I won't, I won't make any major decision without my wife's opinion. None. None. Not even major decisions, just decisions in general, anything that's, that I think that I'm like, no, I need another opinion from somebody that won't agree with me, and they'll just tell me like it is, I'll ask Charlene, because she will never agree with me for the sake of agreeing with me. I've known that the day I met her, and that was one of the things that I was drawn to. She will never agree with me just for the sake of agreeing with me. And that helps you out tremendously as you grow in the Lord. That's the part that is another voice when you're about to make a decision. If they're not around, 
I wouldn't do that. I don't know. You need to think about it. And you can get it in the back of your decision making. I bet you she would say probably no. Or if I see something, she said, you should just get, you should, no, you should try it. And I'm like, I don't know. And then I hear her voice in the back. You should try that. You, look, you, you always just eat the same stuff. Try it. It might be good. You know, she's an experiment eater. I'm not. I like chicken, green beans, potatoes. In variation, but chicken, green beans, potatoes. Chicken, green beans, potatoes. Maybe some coleslaw or something. That's it. What kind of chicken? Baked chicken, fried chicken, barbecue chicken, extra crispy chicken, you know, smashed chicken, pulled chicken. Uh, it's chicken. Just chicken, chicken, chicken. And leave me alone. I don't want to try nothing else. No, get it away. She'd be like, try to get, get out of my face. No, I don't want to try nothing. <laughs> and she'd look at me like, really? No, I don't like it. And I'm like, and then she brought him some barbecue chips from Sam's Club. She's like, oh, these chips are really the best barbecue chips now. I said, man, this girl got a lot of sense. They're the best barbecue chips ever. <laughs> I've been sneaking them in the house like this now. I've been buying my own bags, you know, big bags like this, you know. Say, man, that girl is smart. <laughs> you know, because look, this is honor your wife. You know, we need their opinion. We need that women, when they talking to us, they don't want us to say nothing. The average woman, when they talking to their husband, they only want our ear and our hearts. They don't want our opinion. They just want your ear and your heart. And if they get your ear and your heart, because a woman that talk about stuff, you don't think they talking about stuff that makes sense. Oh, it makes sense, but it's just you don't talk the same language. Because I know my wife never tells me like direct. She's always an indirect talker. She'd be like, you know, I think Thursday that might be good if I went to the um, to this thing, you know, this funeral. And then Thursday come, I said, where were you going? I told you I was going to the funeral. No, you didn't. You said that it might be good if you went to the funeral. You didn't tell me that you was going, but because she said it would be good to go, that meant I'm going to the funeral. <laughs> y'all understand that? Y'all women, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and it's just this language that they have that they that they have and that we kind of got to learn it but we got to honor them for you know the, the way that not only did they work but listen to it should be a verse in the bible that says look husbands if you got any sense listen to your wife's opinion it's not in the bible it's not a verse that says that but if you got any sense god didn't give her to you for nothing there's a reason why she gave it. And don't get mad if it's not the way you think. That's the part you should embrace the most. Say, thank God somebody else not thinking as crazy as I'm thinking. Praise the Lord. And don't be afraid of that. But still know that God called you to be the head. Isn't that interesting? Nowhere in the Bible did it say the woman needed to help me. It was the man. So does that make women smarter than men? No, it makes them different than men. And in some ways, they are smarter than men. And in some ways, men are smarter too. And it's not wrong because of the wiring. That's what I'm, my point is because of how somebody wiring. They, they, you know, if you got a person and you married to them and you don't want to hear their opinion, something is wrong with you as a husband. Something is badly wrong with you. You know, you almost got the navel syndrome. You remember Nabal, right? You get that really wise woman in you know, 1 Samuel 25, a woman by the name of Abigail. Remember her? You know, and he was a fool. And the Bible says that he was his name. Nabal means fool. 
and his wonderful woman, Abigail, who was a wise, beautiful woman, and eventually became David's wife. And here he says that, look, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. And he's not talking about weaker in emotionalism or in you know, mental capabilities. And so he's talking about weaker in the physical frame. If you got a God, he can't shovel snow, something wrong, you know? If you're married to somebody, you out there shoveling snow, something, you got the wrong guy. Or if you meet a guy and you're just dating him and you walk up to pull up to his house and the snow is high and he's sitting in the house and you're like, no, that's the wrong guy. The physical frame, that, you know, that, that they're the weaker, it's just the word vessel here. Not the weaker soul or the weaker spirit or the weaker person is the vessel, the physical frame he's talking about. Because some men could be an emotional wreck. You know, you, sometimes the woman is the stabilizer in the house emotionally. Some men could flip out over the littlest things. Or they don't, they're not stable mentally or so forth. So you know he's not talking about that the women are the weaker vessel because of their thinking. Because some women can outthink men in the, in the, the stuff you're trying to figure out. They, they knew it before you even thought about it. Because they can do, they can multitask better than we can. So they think faster about a lot of different things. I used to run a mental health program. I had this girl named Kathy used to work for me. She, God bless her soul, she's in glory now. But I'm telling you, she, it was no other Kathy. I, I looked, that girl made my life, uh, I'm t she made my life the life that I love to work because she was that good. She could do 10 things at one time and all 10 of them were done with excellence. And I'm like, this girl was good, bloom, bloom, goodbye y'all, you know, and uh, I got it done, what's next? You know, I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. And, and women have that capability, so they're not the weaker vessel in a sense of their capacity to think. That's in those third world countries, all the Islamic countries, where uh, Pakistan is somewhere, they're just letting women drive cars and all that, that kind of thinking. That's not what God designed for women to be. Jesus had women with him in his ministry when he was walking the, the streets of Galilee. He had Mary Magdalene, you know, Joanna, Susanna, and all those other women, they was with Jesus in his ministry. So it wasn't that they didn't have, I'm sure they had the capacity to think. The first woman he revealed himself, the first person he revealed himself to was a woman, Mary Magdalene. And here it says that as the weaker vessel, and notice, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. We are, it really means we are joint heirs with Christ. So the woman that we are married to is not less than us. Not spiritually, not emotionally, not intellectually. In fact, oftentimes they could be even more sharpened than we are in so many different areas of our life. That's why we need them. That's why we need them in, in so many different ways, you know. And, and that's why the, the average person that gets married as time goes on, you don't know the value of your wife when you get married for the first four or five years, six years in, but get 20 years in or 15 years in. Then you start realizing the value. You know, I'm sure Abraham understood the value of Sarah as he walked. I'm really sure, I know for sure that Jacob understood the value of Leah. Not Rachel, but he understood the value of Leah later on. And look, 
No man could really do this, but these are the things that has to be done in marriage. They has, you have to tend to your wife emotionally. Tenderness, though. And know how to, you know, anticipate. You know, I know Charlene was coming from this, this retreat this week, and I was like, man, this house is a mess. The dishes, I'm like... Man, I'm doing these dishes before I come to church this morning. I was like, I was in fast motion, you know, washing and cleaning. And, it's like, and, and, and I learned that, you know, things that sometimes might not make a big deal, but they do make a big deal when you take the extra effort to do things that so your wife don't have to do them. That's your job as a husband. I don't do no dishes, man. Look, I ain't doing no... No, that's your job to do whatever you need to do. Walk on water, <laughs> cleanse the leper, whatever, because you just love, love your wife as Christ, love the church. And men can get bitter towards their wives. You know, as a verse in Colossians, you know, Paul wrote the church at Ephesus and says, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. But as a verse in Colossians, which says, husbands, love, you know, your wife, and, but it says your wives, and do not be bitter toward them. Because we can get bitter as men. We can get bitter. She makes me sick. She get on my nerves. Every five minutes, she just, she exasperates me. She just make me sick. I'm embittered with this woman. She, get on my, every time she calls me, I just don't want to hear her voice. Honey, can you, shut up. I just wish she shut up. She make me sick. Something is wrong inside, then. Something is wrong inside because Peter's charge for us as husbands that you dwell with them. Well, you go to the supermarket, do you stand in the car and you just let her go shopping? No, she only go to the supermarket. We're together, I'm going with her. I hate Walmart. I don't know why. It's just the one in Willow Grove near that. I really hate that Walmart. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like, Lord, please let this cup pass. I don't even go there if I don't have to go there. The lines are always long. The checkout line, the minute you get in there, they say, oh, no, this is closed right now. Self-checkout is closed. I'm like, who closes self-checkout? <laughs> and I just don't like going to that store. And I was like, you know, it says, likewise, do well with them. You know, and, and Charlie said, well, I wanna, you want to go with me to this store? I'm like, no. yeah, I'll go. <laughs> and the Lord convicts you. If you're sensitive to the Lord, he'll convict you. My wife, every Friday night, she got her nieces. You know, every Friday night, they little girls. If they were little boys, maybe it'd be different. If, if Brandon had two little sons, I'd be like, we're going to play some baseball. We're going, you know. But little girls, they kind of smart, and they'd be telling you off, like, especially my little niece. She'd be like, you know, and I, I'm looking at I'm like, no, that's girl time. And, you know, you know, and, then, I'm, and then one week, is, I don't know, out of the clear with Scott, the Lord said, you need to go with Charlene. I'm like, what? These are my Fridays. I can study. I can get a head start. I need to, you know, and, and it's not every week, but I just know one week the Lord just convicted me. He said, you need to go with her. It was a Thursday night. And I was going somewhere, and I said, and I just turned around. And I said, I'll meet you at the pizza place, at Mod's Pizza. And I met her at Mod's Pizza. And I had a ball because I loved those girls. And then she said, oh, well, no, that's good. And then once, because once you get in there, that means expectation change now. You know that, right? Once you do it once, hey, buddy, hey, hey, you know, we going to Candytopia, Utopia, whatever. I was like, what? I got you a ticket. I said, wait, what are you giving me a ticket for? I don't need a ticket. You going, not me, you know. 
And then that night was good. It was good. We had a ball. You know, I've got my nieces and tickling them and laughing and playing and having fun with them. I love those girls. But I like my time, too. So what do you do? Do you be with the girls? Do you look at your wife and say, oh, well, you know, she's ordered. Or do you say, Lord, you speaking. This is you speaking. This is you, Lord. This is you saying you're trying to show me something. You're trying to teach me something. And you learn that and you start hearing God's voice. When you get married, it's not based on what you want to do as a husband. When you're sensitive to the Lord, he'll have you doing stuff you would never dreamed of doing. Your wife might have you at a Zumba class. You're like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> or you're doing some other stuff or whatever. You never know. And it's no, you know, direct anything. It's just, does the Lord prompt you sometime to do stuff that your wife would like you to do that you don't want to do with her? Could that just be a prompting? Could that be a prompting of the Lord, having you do stuff? Is that a prompting? Is that, is that the Lord saying, hey, you need to go hang with her. You need to dwell with her. And you may get into argument while you're dwelling too, you know that? Because the enemy wants to say, oh, see, you shouldn't have went in the first place. See what I mean? See what I, and you like really open to the enemy too, because you say, I didn't really want to go in the first place. And now this happened. Now I don't need to dwell in the, I don't need to do this. And the Lord saying, yes, you do. Because this is part of marriage too. Because people get married, they say, for better and for worse, for richer and for poorer, through sickness and through health, you know, all those vows, they say the vows and all this stuff, I know them by heart. But most people don't really like the part in marriage when it says for better and for worse. It didn't say the marriage is over because it's for worse. Sometimes it could be for worse. That's when you still dwell with your wife anyway. You get, I'm sleeping downstairs and like, don't you sleep downstairs. You're giving ground to the devil. I don't care how bad the argument is. I'm sleeping in the same bed with my wife every night. I don't care. I remember this one guy said, me and my wife had the worst argument ever. He said, but in the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit did something. We woke up with the best smile we ever had in our life. And I think that sometimes as husbands, we're not really sensitive to yielding to the Lord. I'm not saying yielding to something that's unwholesome and yielding to things that take you out of the will of God. I'm saying if you marry the right person, it enhances the will of God in your life. It makes everything come together. You'll, you'll serve God and you'll be able to serve them and, you'll be, and it'll be harmony. It won't be a will battle or fighting over who's in charge and all that stuff. None of that stuff won't happen. It'll be a harmony there. And as a husband, you're supposed to, oh, look, Christ is the head, then the husband. But you're supposed to be the person's overseeing and looking at your wife and saying, she needs a break. She's tired. She, she's tired. Charlene worked me to death Friday. I said, you know what, Friday? I told her, I woke up, because I know, I know, I know she was going, so I know the work. We know the work. Me and her worked together doing mission work together in cities, inner city outreaches. Me and Charlene worked together as a team. If y'all don't know that by now, we've always been a team when we met. We worked together. And I knew that it was enough stuff she had to do that I said, you know what, Charlene? From six o'clock in the morning till two o'clock, I'm yours. 
And she worked me to death, too. She got her money's worth out of me. She dogged me. I'm serious. But I knew that the anticipation was there. Earlier that day before, the Lord said, you need to make yourself available for her tomorrow. It was clear. It was just clear. And her trunk, I cleaned out her trunk. I said, how do people get this much stuff in the trunk? We was going like this. <laughs> Gloom. Coming back, make another trip. Gloom. She had slime all on the trunk. And I'm like, what in the world? Good kid stuff. Candy bars, snacks. And like, but this is my honey and I love her. And when we serve the Lord, don't say you're serving the Lord and you don't even really want to speak to your wife. You don't want to dwell with your wife. Because the problem with that is, Peter says that when we don't treat our wives right, when you do all these other things, he's like, oh, I'm so super spiritual and I'm so great. And you don't do it. And, and, and the yielding and the submission and submit one to another, Ephesians 5.21. If that's not happening in your marriage, it's not talking about role. It's talking about how we should engage with one another. The role is that the husband is the head, but there's an engagement there. There's an equalness in a sense of the wife could know as much as you know and can be as smart as you and even smarter. But there's something that happens when you try to go in their world and understand them. They have a joy that they can't explain, but they know that it's right. A woman know that it's right. They know when that husband is looking out for her the right way. They know it. They have, they have an intuition. The work of the Spirit works in their hearts in a different way in a sense, but they have that sensitivity to say, I know that this man is giving me his best. I know it. I know it. I know he's concerned about what I'm concerned about. And if that happens in your marriage, I guarantee you, you don't have your wife popping her mouth. <laughs> Make me sick. Because you anticipate, like, she's going to be tired. If she do this and do that, she's going to be tired. How in the world is she going to do all of that? And you start realizing those things. Not in a way where you're trying to sell the super spiritual stuff. You just say, look, this is work. It got to be done. Somebody got to do it. I'm helping her out right now, period. And you do that, I guarantee you, wife, happy wife, happy life, I guarantee you, you will have a happy life. Because he says, if you don't treat a wife right, Peter says that. He says, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Look, she's the king's daughter. Your wife has a father and he's in heaven. She's the king's child. If you treat her any less than the king's child, you got a problem. Because you're not yielded to the Lord. Women don't have a problem with submission. Men, most of the time, have a problem with serving and being a leader, being a servant leader. Most women, if they got a husband, they married, they don't have a problem with submission. But if you're not a servant leader and you're looking for stuff to get out of, they know that stuff. I would do anything for my wife. I would take a bullet for her in a minute. She get old, I want to grow old together. I don't want no... Nursing aid coming in, we get, we're gonna help each other. We're rolling in the hallway together in our wheelchairs or whatever, but I wanna be with her. First Peter 3, 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. As you've been listening to today's teaching in 1 Peter, 
Do you find yourself ready and willing to give a defense about Jesus and what you believe? Or is it easier to fade into the background and not take a stand for anything? The truth is, Peter himself was proving his faith and loyalty to God throughout his life, showing people that he believed in God, even if it meant losing his life. Of course, he had a moment of weakness when Jesus was arrested, but he came back and stood his ground stronger than ever after Jesus' ascension. Don't lose sight of this. Even if you falter, the Lord can supply you the grace to continue. Stand strong and be confident in your heart that God's on your side, despite the opposition. The Word of Life ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Word of Life. Pastor Mark Abrams has more to share with you in our next edition as he continues through the book of 1 Peter. If you're interested in learning more about this ministry or the church, feel free to go to ccwordoflife.org and find information on service times, location, and our staff. If you have any questions you'd like to ask, you can email us at info at ccwordoflife.org. That email again is info at ccwordoflife.org. Thanks for listening today to Pastor Mark's teaching in the book of 1 Peter. We look forward to you joining us next time right here on The Word of Life. Oh